everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, Israel Adesanya's new deal. Is he the biggest star outside of Conor McGregor? Also, I sit down with UFC middleweight and Ultimate Fighter winner, Brian Battle. Apparently, the word we are getting, remember, we haven't seen it ourselves. Look right now at MMAfighting.com. Israel Adesanya inks, quote, one of the most lucrative multi-fight deals with the UFC ahead of title defense against Robert Whitaker. What? That's right. Uh, Adesanya's manager, Tim Simpson, said in a statement, we are very happy with the terms of Israel's new promotional agreement with the UFC. Israel truly deserves to be in the position that he is in, and we look forward to several more prosperous years with the UFC. According to his team, Adesanya's new contract is, quote, quote, quoting somebody else, one of the most lucrative multi-fight deals in company history, and that it will make him, quote, one of the top paid athletes in the history of mixed martial arts. Woo! The deal comes together after months of negotiation that included Adesanya agreeing to his upcoming rematch against Whitaker, but not actually signing a bout agreement for several weeks after the UFC announced the fight. Hmm. So here are the first things you like, like spring to mind. Not only is Izzy marketable, he's good looking, he has the gift to gab, he has an exciting style, he also has an international appeal. Uh, I work, as you all know, for ESPN International, and a big one of their big markets is Australia. Anything Izzy-related is huge. Anytime he fights, we talk about it. Anytime he does something, we talk about it. Anytime his team does anything. So he has an international appeal, even beyond what he does in the United States, which is com- you know comparatively big. Members on the cover of the last uh, UFC video game, alongside Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he's got the youth, he has the looks, he has the style, he has the mouth, he has everything. And he's putting up decent numbers. Let's remember that as well. In addition to all of that, I think he bet heavily on himself. Why? Let me uh, go to get, put together a timeline for you here. Remember, Adesanya agreed to the rematch against Whitaker, but didn't sign a bout agreement for several weeks after UFC had already announced the fight. Uh, It gives me the impression that this took a long time, partly because Izzy was willing to make it difficult on the UFC. He was willing to bet on himself at the right time. And he knows that Dana White is dealing right now with an unhappy heavyweight champion, an unhappy former light heavyweight champion in John Jones, now moving to heavyweight. He's dealing with some grumblings at 170, Jorge Masvidal, et cetera, Kamar Usman getting more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. The last thing Dana needs right now is a public feud with his 185-pound champion who is at the top of the mountain. He doesn't need any of those things. And I think his willingness, more than likely, once again, don't know. We haven't heard anything about the the behind-the-scenes negotiations. But a willingness to maybe hold out and make it tough on the UFC was a big factor in this. So much of the UFC and, and, and whether or not you make money is timing. 
GSP said publicly, when I was fighting John Fitch or had that fight in front of me, they wanted me to re-sign for, you know, X number of fights and da-da-da. I said no, leading into a very tough fight. If you remember at the time, if you were a fan, John Fitch was considered the biggest challenge to GSP on the roster. That if anybody could defeat a prime George St. Pierre, it was John Fitch. KOB, you were a fan then. Back me up. Was that not the feeling? That if anybody was going to beat him, it was going to be John Fitch, who would look spectacular up to that point. Yes? To that point, yeah. I would say yes. John Fitch. I thought might be the guy. Right. And so he bets on himself, refuses to sign an extension right before the John Fitch fight. Right before. So what happens? UFC came back and went, okay, here you go. And they backed up the Brinks truck in his front yard and made a gigantic deal, and he made a lot of money. It's a willingness to bet on yourself at the right time, which is a little weird, but it is what it is. Francis Ngannou against Cyril Gan bet heavily on himself. Not signing extension, not coming to terms. I'm going to beat this guy, and then I'm going to be in the driver's seat. And he beat him, and now he's in the driver's seat. Whether he stays there or not, we don't know. But a lot of this is about timing. You get your best deal when the time is right. Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you know, was, was supposed to fight Kamar Usman, wanted more money. They went with Dorino Gilbert Burns. Burns gets COVID. Jorge Masvidal steps in and says, no, 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 I want the Brinks truck. And they did it. Timing is everything. Made a ton of money off that fight. So it isn't just how great is Israel Adesanya and wow, how marketable is he and all this stuff. It's, did the timing work out? I think it did. Once again, we don't know. Nobody was talking out of school about this, meaning nothing really leaked. Dana White didn't speak about it publicly one way or the other. Neither did his management team. Neither did Israel Asanya. So this stayed surprisingly under wraps for a deal this big. And so we're not quite sure about you know how much he held out or what negotiation was going on because a lot of this gets, hap- gets handled in the public, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. I think that all makes sense. So you have to ask yourself the question. Is Israel Adesanya the biggest star in MMA outside of Conor McGregor? That's the big question. Is he the number two guy? Because apparently, from what we're hearing, he has probably the number two contract. He's not getting paid more than than Conor McGregor. Nobody is. So, based on that, Kelly, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Is your mind zen, cleared? Zen. Zen and cleared. I'm going to give you a fight. You give me a roundabout guess of, like, the pay-per-view fights. How many you think it did? Based on this. Like, if you got this great deal, his last few fights must have really been killer. So I'm just curious what you think. So his last one was versus Marvin Vittori, the rematch, uh, Glendale, Arizona. What do you think the pay-per-view fights were on that one? 400,000. 600. Right. Before that, Blahovich versus Adesanya at the UFC Apex, Las Vegas, Nevada, March 2021. What do you think it was for that? Uh, 650. 800. She's underestimating Israel Adesanya. Costa. Well, they don't usually, like, I always have a gripe that they don't really sell him that well. Like, and he right. notoriously doesn't do 
well, those pay-per-view buys are great, but like yes. I feel like they they could be better if the U.S. if the UFC built better cards around him. Yes, they they generally do not. Uh, last one, I'm going to ask you: Costa versus Adesanya, Flash Forum, Abu Dhabi, September 2020. I'll go in the middle and say 700. Exactly, bang, she nails it. Okay, 700,000. Okay, the charm. so. Better than you expected, right? Like, he actually sells more than you would think. People have this idea, and it's maddening to me. I was backstage at the at the WWE doing Raw, and that's kind of like, as I've said on the show before, that's where I generally get my, like, casual fan opinions because they're, they're fans. They generally don't know a ton. They're not super educated. So what they think, and what I'm asked about, which I'm often asked about MMA backstage at WWE, um, that gives me an impression of what your average fan thinks. Someone, I will not name, said they thought that Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan was going to sell a million pay-per-views. And I just kind of gave him a blank stare and said, I don't think so. People have an idea that a million is normal. A million is extraordinary, people. That is ext- to touch, to get in that, that, that you know, field is amazing. And Izzy gets in that field. And what I mean by the field is between half a million and a million. He gets there. 600,000, 800,000, 700,000. Okay? People aren't great at math. He's averaging 700,000 in his last three. Okay? Very simple. That is in that realm of making you a hell of a lot of money. A hell of a lot. And as uh, Kelly points out, okay, these weren't. Great cards, necessarily. Not with huge names. For Izzy versus Paulo Costa, the co-main was Jan Blahovic, Dominic Reyes. That was a good one. Brandon Royvald, Kai Kara France. Okay, a, a down-under specialty. Caitlin Vieira, Sajara Eubanks, Hakeem Dawadu versus Tokugov. Uh, you know, not great. Not going to sell a ton of pay-per-views. Okay? So it's just one of those things where you can, okay, he gets some help sometimes. But not all the times. Blahovich versus Adesanya got some help there. Okay? But, you know, it's 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 one of those things where a lot is asked of him and he performs. So when I think about it that way, when I think about it like a a a, a business, as one should, you gotta ask who's number one and, and who's generating the most money for them. Izzy has to be up there. And also, he doesn't have, um, he doesn't have a, a local appeal. He has a global appeal, which a lot of fighters don't. He's huge once again down in Australia. He has the African connection. He's Nigerian. He can open up new markets for the UFC outside of the United States. But here's my caveat. Kob, are you busy doing producer stuff, or do you have a second for me? I never know. Uh, you're a hard, you're a hardworking guy. I'll, I'll spare a second for, you know, Jimmy Hollywood Smith over here. I appreciate that. Really appreciate that. So, I'm going to ask the same question about Kamara Usman. Usman versus Covington, what do you think the buys were? Or if you already know, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to stay in that 600,000 mark. Close. 700. Usman versus Masvidal, two from Jacksonville, Florida. Can't remember who else was on the card. I'm going to go 500,000. 700. Really? Now, Usman versus Masvidal 2, we've discussed this before, but just in case you don't remember, what do you think it was? 
Usman versus you know what? That's what I was actually thinking about. I thought you said so. I'll go, I'll go back to five hundred thousand. Usman versus Masvidal, the first one, Fight Island. Fight one point yeah. three million. The guy sells better in the last three than uh, Izzy, but had more harp, uh, high profile opponents. Covington, of course, the way Covington talks, he, he built that one up a lot. Masvidal's a bankable star. Two of those fights are against Masvidal. So he's had, to Kelly's point, a little more help in terms of opponent choices. I would argue you might have Kamaru Usman being a bigger star than, uh, than Izzy. Now, I, I'm not saying Kamaru Usman has a bad deal, by the way. I have no idea what his deal says and how it, I'm sure it's pretty good. But the only competition right now, I would say, of course, Conor McGregor is the, 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 the undisputed number one. That number two spot is between Israel Adesanya and Kamaru Usman. Go, Nigeria. Right? Damn. Both those guys are killing it right now. So when you say, is he the number two guy, I could argue, and the numbers do back up, it might be Kamaru Usman. Maybe. We're going to learn a lot. By the way, he just had hand surgery. If people don't know, he had a little tendon surgery. Did I tell you the story about my mom's tendon surgery on her hand? Have I told this story? If you want to know how psycho my mother is. My mother had had surgery on a tendon in her hand, just like Kamaru Usman, where they took the hand, they spread it open and all stuff. Well, they put a thing so you can't see it. They put, like, this tent around it so you don't see it, even though you're awake. And my mom goes, I want him to move the tent. And the doctor goes, we can't move the tent. You'll freak out. And she goes, it's my hand. I'm paying for it. Move the tent. And they took the tent off, and all the skin was gone off her hand. And my mom was like, oh. And my mom was, like, asking questions about her hand as they fixed her tendon surgery. Like, she, they did the surgery in front of her. That's how psycho my mom is. Anyway, going back to the story. Kamar Usman just had tendon surgery. Uh, apparently, Leon Edwards is next. Now, Kelly, to go back to you and bounce this off your brain, as you said, he doesn't get the most help in the world. If Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, and Leon Edwards is not a big casual name. In fact, he doesn't even fight that much. So, it's, you know, it's hard to keep him in front of the, the, the viewership. If that sells well, will Kamar Usman be the number two guy in your mind? Because that isn't a lot of help, really. If that goes between 700 and a million, man, is Kamar Usman a draw or what? Do you get what I'm saying? Because Leon is not. He doesn't talk like Masvidal. He doesn't talk like Covington. If that's big, will that will that make you think Usman might be number two? I, I feel like you would have to think that in some yeah. way, shape, or form. But part of me really just thinks Israel Adesanya is. Like, really. And I know the numbers don't necessarily back up my statement. But he hasn't but had just, the opponents of, of Right, Kamala and there's Usman. just yeah. something yeah. about Izzy that – is just so mm. marketable. He's just really? so cool, and he's—I he? just love hearing from him and watching him fight. Not that I don't love watching Kamaru fight because I do, and he's so dominant. There's just something different about Izzy to me. She has a dreamy look in her eyes, folks. Oh you my god! You kind of have no. a dreamy. Kinda, no, no, no. Okay, I'm just curious. I'm just like, how many has it been? I'm just curious. I like you know, but not like Calvin Cater. No. All right, not like I debated bitch. calling out of work tomorrow and Friday to go to his meet and greet in Houston. <laughs> You would do that to me, would you? Really? I'm still here. Really? I didn't do wow. it. Wow. Okay. All right. Just curious. Wow. 
Never know. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here from WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more. We talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. UFC middleweight, fresh off his win last Saturday over Sean Gore. Brian Battle, I see that eye. It's, it's healing up all right, man. It looks a little bit swollen, but you're okay, bud. Hey, you know, it's barely even swollen. I barely even say it's swollen at all. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's I mean, it's, it looks like I have makeup on right now. That's how I feel about it. So, yeah, I feel good, man. Yeah, it's a little goth, but it's cool. I'm digging it. Anyway, so <laughs> when you did your interview with Michael Bisping, that exchange about only needing one eye, man, that was great stuff. Do you think about that ahead of time? I mean, I like I knew what I was saying in the moment. It wasn't like I I, I didn't think he was going to ask me a question like that. You know, like it, it, as soon as he asked me the question, I I was just like uh, I laughed in my head. I was like, how ironic is that? You know, the guy who won the belt with one eye. <laughs> is asking me if I had a problem fighting with one eye. You know, I was like, I was like, come on, man. Like, you know, we do this. This is what we do, right? Uh, so going back a little bit, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to go before uh, this fight to the ultimate fighter. When it, when it turned out you weren't going to fight Treshawn Gore in the final, did you, when you first heard that, did you find it disappointing? Was it a little bit of a letdown or was it whatever? I fight the guy in front of me. Was it a little of, ah, I wanted to fight the guy who, you know, actually made it to the finals. Was there any disappointment there uh, in the Ultimate Fighter finale? Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, it's one of those things that you can't really dwell on it. So, um, but initially when I heard the news, you know, it, it is a little frustrating just because you know that, you know, that's just going to be something where people are going to talk afterwards, you know, especially with the way that he beat uh, Gilbert. You know, I knew that it was going to be hard to top that. Like, no matter what I did in that fight, people were still going to say, that uh trey sean you know uh you know would have won the show and whatnot so i mean you know it it wasn't something that kept me awake at night but it it was definitely uh something that was a little annoying when i first got the news so for people who who haven't been following it for a long time the same thing could have been said about a guy named nate quarry in the first season Uh, he was considered the favorite going in got hurt in the middle of the ultimate fighter uh matt hamill of course michael bisping a lot of people thought matt hamill would have won that how does it feel to put that to bed actually in the octagon and settle it. How good did that feel, man? Um, it, it, you know, once again, it's something we're uh, leading up to the fight, all the way leading up to the fight. I um, wasn't really trying to uh, stoke myself up. You know, I was, I was just more focused on executing the game plan, you know, um, not trying to get too invested into the to defending the, the ultimate fighter title. Uh kind of thing but it really just kept on taking a life of its own you know i mean uh it was one of those things where you know uh you could try to ignore it, but it was going to be there regardless you know the the fans were talking about it you know uh, uh the sports personalities were talking about it so um it was definitely uh a big relief when it was all over to just have it settled once and for all no one could say anything um you know uh me and him we went in the octagon we fought for 15 minutes and after 15 minutes i got my hand raised so uh no one can say anything i beat like every person on team ortega you know that's more than most people have to do i beat almost all of them so you know uh yeah i'm the tough champ so uh speaking of course to brian battle ufc middleweight 
before we, we, we dive into the weeds of, of the fight and how the game plan went and all these things, what was that experience like in terms of your skills going in, your skills going out, learning from someone like Alexander Volkanovsky, et cetera, et cetera? How much of that was a development process being on The Ultimate Fighter? How did that affect you as a fighter? Um, well, the biggest thing about being on the show, because, you know, it, everyone thinks that we're out there for 12 weeks because that's how long the show is airing. But we're at, really out there for five weeks. Um, and, you know, of those five weeks, the first week, you know, I spent the whole week helping Roger, I mean, uh, Ryder get ready for his fight. And then, you know, two of the next three weeks, I'm spending all my time game planning for my fight. So um, I didn't like pick up a whole lot of new skills just because I wasn't afforded the time to actually pick up skills. And someone like Volk, you know, you're watching him drill and, you know, do stuff with other guys. And I was watching them and I was like, oh, there's no way I can learn how to do that in a week. You know, you just watching yeah. them operate do things. And you're just like, wow, he is really on a different level. It's something where you're watching it with your own eyes. And you're just like, wow, this is really incredibly impressive to watch. And, um, you know, just like the being around them, you know what I'm saying? Being around uh, Volk and all those coaches and being around, you know, some of the top prospects in the country um you know it was good for my confidence you know really uh being able to you know measure myself against other guys from around the country because you know i train at a, a local gym you know um a bunch of small time uh small town guys so uh being able to compare myself with all these guys from you know these big time gyms who have big time training partners uh you know it did a lot for my confidence and you just know knowing what i need to do and how i have to prepare to be able to compete with these guys at this level uh, speaking, of course, to Brian Battle, UFC middleweight, victorious last Saturday against Trishon Gore. Uh, but w- w- when speaking about that, the confidence and, and, and being on The Ultimate Fighter and the things you went through, what came out when the show actually aired that surprised you? Was there any surprises in the way you were presented or the way the experience was presented once the show actually came out? Did anything sh- shock you a bit? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I thought there was going to be more uh... – house clips i thought there was going to be more uh stuff of us acting stupid around the house you know there was a lot of stuff you know maybe it's one of those things where it was funny because you know i was there when it happened but there's a lot of stuff we were like that's gonna be gold on tv i mean you know i went streaking like three different times you know um but also the the biggest thing that surprised me though was um you know i don't know if this is just the way they cut it up but like brian ortega didn't say anything nice about me at all the entire show and i was kind of surprised i was like dang brian like i know i wasn't on your team but you didn't have one good thing to say about me one good thing at all so um yeah that was uh as far as the way they portrayed me you know i you know that's just how i am you know what i mean i knew there wasn't anything really uh no way they could portray me in any way that i'm not because i'm just me all the time you know uh, so let's get back to, to last Saturday, speaking to Brian Battle, UFC middleweight. Uh, you talked about game plan and how sticking to the game plan was going to be your victory against Trayshawn Gore. What was the game plan, and did you follow it how you expected? Um, you know, I tell you, uh, you know, when this is a fight game. You got to have multiple plans, you know what I'm saying? You have to have uh, be prepared for whichever way the, the fight goes, you know what I'm saying? We're prepared for multiple different situations. Um I knew going in that on paper, the front kick should have been money uh, just based on the way that he has fought traditionally. Uh, granted, with that being said, I knew that I used uh, the front kick a lot on the show and all the, in the fights leading up to it. So um, 
it was something that I, I definitely wanted to, to, to implement, but it was, uh, I, I was anticipating him to do more than he did. Um, you know, I knew that he liked to take his time, that he liked to stalk people. I was kind of, uh, prepared for him to, uh, do a little bit more. So, uh, you know, it, you know, there's times where I'm moving, 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 I do something and I'm expecting a certain reaction and, you know, I just don't get anything. And so, um, uh, that was interesting, but for the most part, um, you know, keep him at range with, uh, a bunch of different kicks, confusing him, never letting him settle. Uh, that was a big part of the plan. Uh, there was definitely a lot of things, uh, that I could have did better. I mean, you know, switching it up and going for the takedown, that was, uh, that was, uh, you know, another part of the plan for, you know, when the time came for it. Um, but you know, for the most part, yeah, it was solid execution. There was definitely, you know, there's always things you can do better. Um, there was definitely a lot of things I could have did better, but for the most part, it was uh, executing the game plan to a T. So did you notice a difference? And I picked you to win this fight um, with, with my picks, but, you know, pre-fight or whatever. And the reason I did hey, is – There we go. Thank you. You had UFC experience. You had been in there before. You had at least seen the bright lights. Of course, you fought, uh, you know, for, for the f- finale in the undercard of Giga Chikazi, Edson Barbosa. So those nerves weren't as much of a factor for you. That's what I thought. Is that how it felt? Did it feel a bit more comfortable fighting in the UFC the second time around? Um, it, for me, it, there wasn't any difference for me. Um, okay. it, it, and, you know, to be completely honest, I mean, um, fighting in the UFC, uh, you know, obviously it's a little different, but by the time the, the first bell sounds and, you know, I, after the first couple punches are thrown, you know, we're in a fist fight. So, you know, I'm just kind of like into the fist fight. So it, the, the nerves definitely uh, weren't as much of a thing for me. I could, I, what I will say is it did look like Trey was nervous. That was something I noticed right off the bat. Like I was like, okay, he feels, uh, it looks like he was feeling the pressure of the moment, uh, especially the first half of the first round before he kind of got settled in and started getting a little bit more comfortable. So what does that bring out of you as a fighter? When you see that in somebody's eyes, is it, okay, get on them early before they get settled? How did that change the strategy, or did it at all? Uh, no, man. I mean, it's uh, once uh, once I'm doing something, I'm just kind of doing that, you know? I, I just kind of have to execute. I mean, uh, if anything, it was kind of just keep them off balance, uh, keep up uh, a higher pace to keep them off balance so he, he doesn't get comfortable. You know, if he looks uncomfortable, I want to keep him uncomfortable as long as possible. Um, but uh, for the most part, no, it's, I, I just got to go out there and do what I got to do. Because, you know, you never know when someone's going to, you know, settle in, when that moment's going to happen where they, you know, realize, uh, you know, they have to go. And, you know, I don't want to be get caught slipping, uh, deviating from the game plan uh, just because I thought something was there that was never really there. So now that this is behind you and kind of the ultimate fighter, you are the unquestioned winner, right? The undisputed winner of the ultimate fighter. What do you feel that that opens up for you now career-wise? What's your next step, man? Man, I mean, you know, it's it's great. You know, I love uh, solidifying that. I'm, But I'm still at the bottom of the food chain as far as, you know, uh, the rankings go. You know, I'm still at the bottom of the food chain as far as it goes, uh, you know, uh, who who are the best fighters in the division? So I still got to climb up the ladder against you know bona fide UFC fighters. So um, you know I'd like to fight again in the summer. I'd like to fight at least two more times this year. I think that'd be uh, uh, ideal. 
you know, I uh, just, you know, for me to just keep on training, keep on getting better. Um, you know, I think uh, someone like Maximov makes a lot of sense. I think we're both uh, in a similar place record wise and, you know, career wise, I think, uh, and, and hype wise, you know, we both got a little bit more attention than, you know, most people at our uh, record points have. So I think that would be a kind of fun fight. I have to get your opinion. Talking, of course, to Brian Battle, UFC middleweight. Big middleweight fight coming up this weekend. Robert Whitaker, mm. Israel Adesanya. Izzy just signed a huge deal with UFC, apparently. What are your thoughts on this fight, man? Man, I tell you what. Uh, this fight is going to be a good fight, man. It's going to be a great fight. It's definitely going to be better than the first one. Um, and, you know, you, you can't ever trust the the ufc promos like the the countdowns and all the the build-up shows because the production crew does such a great job of making these fighters look like superhumans um you know all the way leading up to the fight i had izzy pick to win the fight but man dude robert you know he's saying all the right things he looks great he looks sharp he's looked good in all of his last fights uh and like i'm a big robert whitaker fan like um i i want him to win my heart wants him to win and i really want to pick him for this fight but i just still think that you know, Izzy is still motivated. He's still uh, getting better. He's still training hard. And I think he's just a terrible stylistic matchup for Robert going into this fight. So I still got to take Izzy to get the W in this one. Brian, I got to say, man, I've appreciated your insight. Really appreciate you taking time for us, man. Best of luck in your next fight, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Have me back again sometime. Anytime, man. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.